0: Hi, I'm James Chow.
1: Hi, I'm Hannah Gitawhun.
0: And you're listening to Beach Weekly, a news roundup from the Daily 49er at Long Beach Date.
1: Powwow was this past weekend? Over 15 different tribes participated in the two day event, dancing and stopping to the beat of drums and native songs. The Daily 49ers staff had a special issue on the event with different articles focusing on aspects of native tribes and traditions. We're here with Samantha Diaz, who wrote the profile on Shigo, the head man dancer at the powwow. So, how did you get in contact with Shigo?
2: So, I was looking to do a follow around feature. On someone at the powwow event so i reached out to craig stone the director of american indian studies and i just told him my idea for the story and i asked him if there was anyone that he knew who would be willing to let me just follow them around for the day and he recommended Shigo, and he said that he thought he would be an interesting person to do a profile on just because he got accepted to long beach for next semester
0: wow and so can you tell me what goes into being a headman dancer because that's what he was doing at the event, right?
2: Yeah, so his job was as headman dancer is basically he had to usher in all of the dances. So he was either in the front of the line or mixed in with the crowd, but he had to be a part of each of the dances. I would be mid-interview with him and then a beat would start and he would just drop everything and be like, oh, I'm sorry, I have to go. And then he would like hand his little baby off to someone and then go dance. He would usually only make like one round around the central quad and then he'd come back to me and be like, oh, sorry about that that was his main job other than that so if you're chosen as one of the head either the head man or the head woman dancers you have you have this tradition that you do at each powwow where you give gifts to the elders that recommended you for the position and then you give gifts to respected family and friends so it's like a blanket or like moccasins, flowers, or it could even be like a bunch of snacks that they like, like Cheetos and soda or something. But yeah, so there's that ceremony, too. So you give a bunch of gifts to people. But your main job is just to usher in all the dances.
1: Following around Shigo for a day, what is he like? What did you pick up from the day that you spent with him? So I kind of
2: followed around Shigo. Before I started reporting on him officially, before we met up at the powwow, I just wanted to get a sense of who he was without me putting him on the spot and without him feeling like he had to put on a show. And the the coolest thing I noticed about him is he just knew everyone there. And even if he was really busy, he would just start talking to someone if they came up to him. Most people there know each other and they're all pretty local. So even if he was dancing around the central quad people would just walk up to him and start talking to him as he's dancing as he's putting his baby to sleep he he was just very kind to everyone's like talking to everyone there one guy came up and i guess their whole family came down with a fever that weekend um so his little baby had a fever and it was really sad so someone came up to him and gave him an electric thermometer (laughs) and just like handed it to him and he's like oh thank you so much they started talking then he took his baby's temperature (laughs) he was really respected by everyone really friendly
0: and when you interviewed him did he kind of get a sense of his life outside of the native american regalia
2: so when i interviewed him he was really busy so i wasn't able to talk to him about like his family life or anything but I was able to talk to his dad for like 30 minutes. We sat down and he was telling me a bit more about Shigo. And that's that's where I kind of got most of my background information. So, yeah, his dad was just telling me that he's loved dancing ever since he was little, ever since he could start walking. He's like, yeah, he's just always loved it. And he just picked up on it right away. I mean, his dad was telling me like if he's Navajo. So he was saying like if you're Navajo and you respect the traditions and you keep them up dancing is a way of life and it's part of your normal life. He compared it to how we teach our kids sports and like how to jump or how to hopscotch, little things you teach them when they're little kids. He's like, that's dancing for us. Outside of just powwows, he'll go to dance competitions. He's really good. So like he'll place in those and then he'll go to like different states and he'll go
1: for their powwows. As a head man, did she go help kind of facilitate the environment of intertribalness Because I know he was Navajo. There was a lot of different tribes with um, different traditions, but did he kind of help connect that?
2: Yeah, I think that's part of the reason why they chose him to be head man dancer, just because his, his dad was telling me to be chosen for that role. The elders have to recognize that you actually understand the traditions of powwow and the importance, and that you have Like an actual style of dance, and you're not just going out there and doing random things. He's really good at like his prairie chicken dance. So they caught on to that, and they said they chose him last year. So they choose these people a year in advance. But yeah, on every single dance, like you said, like there's a, a ton of tribes in the central quad, and they all come together, and she goes the one that ushers that in.
0: And you said prairie chicken dance. Can you explain that a little bit? What kind of dance is that?
2: So when you see them in the central quad, you don't like Pick up on it right away, but everyone's doing a different dance. It's very—you see—they have their very distinct styles. There's some people that are super out there and they're super energetic and hyper, and they're like jumping around. So she goes dance the Prairie Chicken dance, and his is very calm. It's a healing dance, it's a medicine dance. It's meant to be soothing. So I thought it was really cool. And like one of the dances, he took his baby with him, and he's like, "Oh, I'm just gonna put him to sleep," but he was still doing the dance. It just happened to be soothing enough to actually like put a baby to sleep
0: wow that's cute that's cute even like with the sound of all those drums and stuff like that the baby would still
2: yeah there's like a ton of babies i don't know there's just like a ton of kids and babies there and like most of the babies are just knocked out all day and it was so loud like i don't understand how they're able to do that but a lot of people i talk to they're like oh yeah i just went to a powwow last weekend i'm going here this weekend so i think if you're born in that culture like you just kind of get used to it
0: you also mentioned that you talked to his dad so was his dad part of previous powwows as well
2: yeah, his dad has been coming to the Long Beach Palace specifically for 45 years. And like you said, it's the 49th year, so he's basically been here the entire time. And so Shigo has been coming here since he was little, and now he's bringing his kids here. So it's really, it's really cool to see tradition carried on throughout these generations like that. It's really neat.
0: Continuing with the powwow generational theme, our arts and life editor, Rachel Barnes, reported on the span of generations across the Native American celebration of the powwow. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Rachel. <laughs> so, um, Rachel, can you talk about how have the traditions of the event changed since its inception?
3: I'm not sure if they've changed, per se, because I think the whole point is for the traditions to stay somewhat the same as they get passed down from the elders to the little children that were there at Powwow. I think for the most part they stay the same. I guess they would change a little bit based on which, like how the generations take a hold of them, but I think the main point is for them to stay pretty similar.
0: Have the perspectives from the younger people that you've interviewed and the older people, are they different, are they same about the event?
3: They all talked about that it was important for them to all come together and celebrate and to be able to pray and dance amongst each other because it's such a big event. They don't get to gather with each other all the time. They all talked about how that was really important. When I talked to some of the older people, they really thought about how important it was for them to be able to teach the traditions to all of the younger generations. The person from the younger generation I talked to was like seven years old. So he didn't really talk much about anything except for he really liked to dance, which was really
1: cute. (laughs) Did you think there was a good representation of younger generations there? Because I think every culture's biggest fear is losing tradition Mm -hmm. because younger generations don't want to participate. So at the powwow, did you see a lot of young Oh, people? yeah.
3: There were so many little kids everywhere. They are all donned out in their regalia. It was so cute. They were as much a part of the event as their parents and as their grandparents. I think they really made the environment for me because there was a bunch of dancing around and a bunch of booths and people selling things. But to see the little kids look up to their parents and people older than them and watch everything that was going on and for them to know that soon this was going to be in their hands. I thought that was really good.
1: Besides the powwow, are there other ways that people you spoke to tried to preserve tradition to the younger generations? Mm -hmm.
3: The family of the little boy that I spoke to, his name was Talon Alford. He was there with his dad. His grandpa, I think, was there. His uncle was there and his mom was there. And they say at home, they teach dancing and they practice dancing every day. And I spoke to his mom and she said that Talon, who is the seven-year-old boy, he can probably tell anybody at any point in Native American history. And I thought that was really cool because he's seven years old, but he's so knowledgeable on this entire subject. So that shows how much they teach tradition at home.
0: You were talking to me the other day and Talon's (laughs) quite the star, quite the celebrity. I am
3: Talon's number one fan. He's so adorable.
0: (laughs) Uh, you told me that he was... Uh... He
3: was almost Mowgli. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> he was a runner-up to be Mowgli, but they wanted him to cut his hair. And he said, no, I'm not having that. I don't want to cut my hair.
1: Like uh, in the movie?
3: Yeah. His agent said he had to cut his hair because he would get more parts if he cut his
1: hair. And he said, I don't want to do that. Oh, my yeah, God. That's good.
0: I mean, like, he's able, you know... Yeah, stay true to yourself, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah over definitely. the Jungle Book, you know?
1: Yeah. So he's like an actual...
3: Is he an actor? Yeah, he's an actor. He's got, like, an agent and everything. Do you guys know, like, the old, old show, The Lone Ranger? Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay, so his great-great-uncle or grandpa? I can't remember. His great-great, like, somebody was the original person who played Tonto in that show. Like, the very first guy. Oh,
1: my God. So he's,
3: like, descended from big fame.
0: Yeah, definitely has some golden blood (laughs) some hollywood star blood
3: (laughs) and i got an interview with talon
0: i know you're you're essentially an e-news reporter
3: (laughs) talon told me all of this stuff and i was amazed i was like oh my gosh i can't believe i'm talking to somebody so famous right now
1: powwow men women and children donned their best regalia as they danced around in the central quad many of the participants had regalia that had special meaning to them so our very own james chow wrote a story about the significance of the native american regalia that was worn at the powwow so james yes first of all tell me what was your favorite outfit?
0: My favorite outfit. Oof. I wanna say probably Black Star Eyed Eagle Steven Garcia. Just because I think his story was pretty compelling. It's like nothing I've ever heard before. He's a Tongva native, so he's a he's local. And he basically he had this kind of feather headdress and yeah, it was really creative. The way he actually thought of the headpiece was he actually had this recurring dream that he had since he was A kid and it was about a red-tailed hawk and he would have this kind of dream over the years like he wouldn't have it for a long period of time until his 30s and that's when he had the dream again and he kind of like willed himself and said that if only I had this red-tailed hawk and he eventually like two weeks later after like willing that he actually was bestowed some red-tailed hawk feathers back-to-back actually it was like back-to-back weeks he received like within two weeks he got like two sets of feathers and he'd also find feathers when hiking, and he just kind of like handcrafted this headpiece out of the red-tailed hawk feathers. And I, th- I thought that was really that was really cool. And he also had significance with his whole outfit, like from his apron representing the colors of a medicine wheel to hawk feathers on the back, which represented like victorious warriors. I thought it was really interesting.
1: It seems like a lot of the pieces of the regalia are not bought, but. Earned. So right. you talk in the story about, for example, Black Star-Eyed Eagle, Stephen Garcia. He had a dream about the red tail feathers, and he would find feathers and earn feathers. And then you also talked about gifts from elders. It Was it like a common thing to see? It was more like it was earned.
0: Yeah, exactly. I want to say with Stephen, he was saying how when he danced, elders would go up to him and give him a piece that he thinks he needs, that they thought would complement his dance. And he would kind of do the same thing with uh, younger people. He would kind of give items or gift items to younger folk who dance, and what he thought would go along with it. And he was basically saying that people always tell him, you know, oh, why don't you could you could probably sell that and get a lot of money, but that's not what the culture is about. It's about passing down these kind of items to people who would follow along with the culture.
1: So in your article, you talk about common items that people wore at the powwow. It was bird feathers, otter fur, and porcupine roaches. So I know you talked to a lot of people at the powwow, and they kind of gave you a rundown of the significance of these items. So I was wondering if you can kind of retell what you heard from people at the powwow.
0: Yeah, for sure. So the thing is about a lot of these pieces is that a lot of them may have some kind of cultural significance like from for the event but a lot of it also had personal significance too. I I talked about how Steven Garcia had his feather headpiece and the feathers behind that as well. Um, So yeah I I couldn't really give you a set answer of like what each one means because each one's kind of different. I guess the common theme about those items that you said is that they're all animals and when I talked to both Garcia and the head woman dancer, Dominic Lombardi, they were saying that all animals are sacred. And that's kind of like um, why they were the items, I want to say, because they were saying how um, it's kind of like a cycle of life. So, yeah, so like all animals are sacred, essentially. And I think Stephen Garcia was saying that like when he's laid out in the ground and and becomes dirt, the animals will, will be living on him. So it's kind of like a cycle, like a trading spaces kind of thing.
1: You also had an interesting story about Carlos Miranda who was a, a younger participant. He's 14 years old and talks about uh, his traditional footwear and how he started off with black Nikes.
0: Yes, yeah, he did start off with a black pair of Nikes. So yeah, Carlos Miranda, he actually is only, I think, a year into Northern traditional old style dancing. That's uh, his type of dance, this is his style. But yeah, he was basically bestowed aprons, feathers, and bells from his mentor. And he was saying that uh, at first he would dance in his uh, his black pair of Nikes, and then as he got older and and was bestowed more items, he actually got traditional boots that he can actually like fully dance and participate in the culture. And it's it's interesting because every time he'd walk, it's kind of like jingling bells. His style was a little different than the southern style dancing, so I think the northern style was more mellow paced slower and in the southern style is more fast-paced
1: and it kind of goes back to the idea of you have to earn the pieces of your regalia right so he had to dance his way to get those pair of moccasins oh right? yeah
0: definitely definitely make sure that he was you know, kind of committed to uh this kind of culture it's
2: people. It's sovereign. And
0: that's a podcast
1: yay do do do
0: do do. Do do, do 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 do
1: do 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 Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I sound so tired. Oh, absolutely. <laughs>